following is an archived podcast presented by the Branson and Hudson Foundation for Podcast Recovery. This podcast is entitled The Phoenix Initiative. This is the first and only episode of the podcast. Welcome to episode one. Today you are engaged in something brand new and untalked about in today's society. This is the Phoenix Initiative, addressing the modern decline of masculinity. Men used to build empires, conquer new worlds. We built the pyramids, the railroads. We invented the light bulb, the Xbox. We are primed to become the most powerful beings in the universe. But then, something happened. Society ran soft. Men used to never cry. They were told to not cry because it was shown as a sign of weakness. Now, they cry too much. They're encouraged to. Men have become lessened. Or to put it in a more colorful way. Pussified. My name is Professor Freddie Von Teakwood. I'm joined today with my good friend, Professor Lemuel Farrar. Masculine greetings, Freddie. We are two instructors at Duke University. And today, we'd like to talk about something which I believe, and Professor Farrar also believes, is the greatest scourge on modern civilization as we know it. The decline of the modern male. And there are many ways the to put it. The decline of the modern male. Many ways to mm-hmm. understand it. Many examples of men crying over seemingly trivial things. Uh, just the other day, I had a student who told me that he cried during the X-Men movie because at one point, X-Men Wolverine had a girlfriend. And mm-hmm. he told this to me without a lick of shame in his eyes. Now, I can believe that as Wolverine, Logan, is a great sign and symbol of masculinity. I won't say that I would cry watching it, but to see a man, someone like himself, to show a softer side, inclined towards a woman, must be a little bit jarring. The problem is, is this young man has no other way how to react to this other than crying because he's told he's supposed to. In the earlier days, we were given different emotional tools to deal with problems such as this. Um, let's say in the 1950s, men would have silently drank. And that was a mm-hmm. good, cool, controlled way to manage your emotional well-being. Prior to that, men would get violently angry and destroy things as a way to control their feelings. And that was preferable now to what we have, which is just an endless wellspring of emotions that seem almost self-gratifying and masturbatory. Whereas all you really need to do when you get angry or sad is to just drink a couple beers and go drive around. 
That's the old way of doing things, and now that's no longer accepted. Before, a man might be able to use a stick or his fists upon his family when they're disobedient. Now, you talk in the wrong tone, and you're reprimanded, or even worse, incarcerated. I would like to clarify for one thing, is that Professor Von Tiquin and I are members of different circles of neo-reactionary movements, meaning that we have certain virtues that we profess. And while we realize, especially on a, a, comp a college campus, that a lot of our opini opinions are unpopular, our opinions are valid and our opinions are right. It's just that no one wants to hear it in today's day and age. Well, if you look at history, all of the most subversive thinkers face the same oppressions and scrutiny that we face. So you look at these great men, people like Machiavelli, people like um, Jim Jones, great men. People like Jerry who Jones. Led in a way, others. People like Jerry Jones, people that lead in ways that are certainly not the norm or what our current society accepts as the norm. So it must be bad. And it must be... People like Andrew Dice down. Clay. Real people men. People like Andrew... Real people, men that used to stand for something. People like John Wayne. You know, men used to be in a hundred Western movies a year. They used to play Genghis Khan in Yellowface. I mean, and it was fine. Men, real men used accepted. to, you know, they were so busy being real men on screen, they weren't even able to go to war. Well, the ones that served in the war certainly knew a certain feeling that women would never know. And, I, and now. I, I, I would like to say be on the front lines with them. I would like to say that that when we do talk about this, it always gets written off as simply old men complaining. I will admit I'm rather aged, um, you know, mid fifties. You're a, you're a, you know, I'm up there I'm, as well. I'm a 34 years old. I'm mid fifties and I look terrible. Um, so usually people kind of peg me as older, but a lot of what I say gets dismissed off at, you know, I'm a rural sociology teacher here at Duke. I'm tenured. I've been here years, right? I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm qualified to speak on the pussification of America. Now, when we say this, we're not just complaining. It has a real danger to it, right? And I think we're going to get into that a little bit later, but the real dangers include complete extinction, of the modern male, of, of the human race. These are May, not and low stakes. even more so, the male gender. But I believe, as you know, that the male gender is in decline. The identity of the male is nearly extinct, which is the most terrifying thing I can think of. Now... There are many ways that we can counter this, and we'll discuss this in today's lecture. Um, first, some things I believe that should make a return to current society. I believe it'd be for the best if every person lived in a monastery for a year. Men and women separated, but I think it could do a lot of good. 
Now, I do have a question for you, if you don't mind. Um, Mm -hmm. When you do say this monastery, a big talk in a lot of right circles now has to deal with the idea of males masturbating. Now, do you believe that in these monasteries, masturbating would be allowed? Because different people have different theories on different male energies that get stolen. Absolutely not. And I will cover this later on when I get to my set of, well, well really just, they're literally called the pillars. I have a set of five now, in these pillars that and I believe that we should build everything on. Is there is the there any type of, of haircut touch upon that, later on. that would be mandatory? This upon. touches upon the master, masturbation and all that. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I won't. For now, I will. I have a theory similar to that that has to do with um, the raising of children. Um, I think mm-hmm. parenting is unnecessary, and I think that there is a corporate environment that could better suit child's needs and nurture them from an early game. And the only way to figure this out, well, primarily through early schools doing StarCraft tests to see gaming potential. Now, this usually indicates which children are more adapt to live in a digitized kind of modern world. And these children, based on their StarCraft scores, would be set off and raised kind of like a higher caste. Now, these theories, again, we're all just talking theories now, but these theories would theoretically show a 23% increase in IQ in the top-tier children just by a gaming-focused lexicon. Well, that could go into my theory of how we should be sending you know, our young people, our adolescents, to a monastery. And when I say monastery, I don't mean it strictly in the classical sense. There are many factors in it that I do think are good to include but boarding schools for example are a very infantile but close version of what i think you're saying and what i'm saying yeah. should happen so perhaps pro gaming teams you won't have to raise their own children they can like be that. sent to they may be sent to an institution where they are conditioned to be proper upstanding citizens which would include um like you said video game education and conditioning. Um, And this would be a sort of monastery in a sort of almost corporate and uniform sense. I'm not talking about living, wearing friar's robes and drinking wine. That would not be allowed. Right. You wouldn't be able to I'm talking be a about large, overweight man that just simply stumbles in and out, and everyone has to run him away from the communion wine. That simply wouldn't right. be allowed. I'm still speaking, though, that we should possibly, absolutely, in fact, bring back dungeons. Dungeons are necessary in every society. We should bring back the stocks if a... Young child is caught stealing bread. They should be thrown into the stocks and be pelted with ripened tomatoes and cabbages at their head. I agree. And kept there. They should be... There should be gallows. We should have public hangings. Public execution, I think, is necessary. Keeps everybody in line. We should bring back Iron Maidens. Iron Maidens, the Catherine Wheel. You know, I could go on all day about this, but... The thing that stretches people... Yeah, that I don't. What 
it you was, know, the one that's like a table that they stretch yeah, them in, and it hurts you. What's it called? What's the thing called though? Uh, I got no so, idea. Well, we could just we could look it up. We could we could edit this out. Um, um, <clears throat> anyway, class. Um, so that's what we should bring back. I think it's called the hurt. As lock. many other things. Mm, that doesn't sound right. Um, we should bring back swords. I'm not against firearms. I support the Second Amendment. However, I believe they have gone too far. And I believe swords demand a certain air of respect and civility to them. Right. And anyone can kill anyone with a gun. When it's a sword fight, the best man wins. And that's how we breed Absolutely. stronger and stronger men through consistent horse fights. Sword fights. We should bring back sword fights, um, sword battles. Mounted we combat. should bring back shooting apples off of women's heads. We should bring back... Uh, what... What happened to fountain pens? Whatever happened you know, to snake oil? I heard that people shit never, was good for you. People will never know what it's like to ruin a perfectly good white Oxford shirt by a fountain pen just exploding all over you. Uh, you know, we really need to bring back just alchemy as a profession. Mm-hmm. Um, we well, we have human sacrifice alchemy now. It could just, be looked into. Uh, I'm just, uh, that's... That's... Uh, I don't know. Um, well, moving along. What's, what's, how come, you know, how come people, how come I got, have can people complain to me when I smoke my giant disgusting cigars by them? You know, a gentleman smokes a cigar. Gentleman Freud smokes a cigar. One. He wears, you know, they tell me cool it's, clothes. they tell me it stinks and I look like, and I quote, excuse me, a fucking putz. But great men have always smoked them and I'm, I'm in no way a supporter of, Men like Fidel Castro or Al Capone, but they had the drive they, to lead people. Regardless of what cost. your personal politics are, you have to understand that they exuded a purely masculine energy. And even within right. our enemies today of the leftist ranks, um, you're not going to find anyone particularly virile. Well, they had the drive to lead people, whatever the cost. And had they been educated or knew the ways of someone such as a great man like Machiavelli, right. perhaps right. it would have turned out to not be criminals. A man who has studied history masters. and would often perform history on his enemies. You know, we used to have massive men, these ugly umpires in baseball, who used to just munch on a huge cigar as they screamed in your face that you're out. You and, used to uh, be able to smoke during a baseball game. You used to be able to chug drink beers. beer yeah. in the dugout. But now everything's too politically yeah, correct. Yeah, now they just want every, everyone... When everyone becomes a role model and you you skew those so role I'm models allowed. to the point where um, essentially you're trying to just make everybody Justin Timberlake, well, then men are going to look outside of their own gender for role models, which is the worst thing that could possibly happen. I'm not allowed to ride the train and mix my own drink. Are you telling me that I can't just drink my own my own cocktail while I ride my train home? I would like to enjoy my Manhattan that I make with my favorite please, Jack Daniels honey. Please and let a me speak to your grenadine. manager. And then if they say I am the manager, I ask to speak to their boss. And this process can go on for hours, but usually somebody will just tell you to leave. Which is people not respecting any kind of sense of authority or hierarchy, which I'll also touch upon. But there's a lot of there's many, many forms of leadership and great power that we can reflect on. Um, one of my favorites, Caligula, was a great man. He was 
in love with both his sister and his horse simultaneously. And I'm, I think he might have married both. I would have to. I'm not a. Not his, I'm pretty sure he married both, and that was both. his right as a man. And essentially, and what he, we talk about, he would have games where he would just have these giant machines that would move across the room with spikes on them that would just kill the Christians, and he would have them, you know, beaten in front of him, and he would have sick the huge, lions on them. Right, right, and he'd have huge depraved parties, and um, it's really quite a good film about him. Uh, and, he uh, is definitely a role model that modern boys would be able to look to as somebody who creates his own power in this world instead of asking for others to give it to right. him. And in the film, you can see uh, a young Helen Mirren who is quite attractive. To be honest, I would, you know, I would still, um, you know, Helen Mirren now. Right. I would, except I'm, I would wait for her to come to me. And it's a lot of people are surprised, would. like her. She's quite old. That's surprised that you would say that. But, you know, I'm just that kind of guy who's you, different. You really speak your mind and you're not afraid to say the truth, which is why I call you a brother in arms against the rising wussification of men. Who's, I mean, wait, you got to look now and everyone here can kind of already tell. I can already tell, you know, just from the way you look at us. But we are too... Beautiful examples of masculinity. I'm looking at uh, Professor Von Teakwood now, and you see those tan and light blue boat shoes and those white ankle socks going up to the perfectly tight khaki pants and a button-up shirt that is light blue and unbuttoned down to in my, the third button. In my, Somehow a tweed in my vest. forest green blazer. A tweed Don't, vest do not forget my and a forest blazer. green blazer on top of it. And just mm-hmm. it, just like the cherry on the top of him, of the person that he is, his beautiful derby hat with just a long, six, seven-foot-long feather sticking out of it. I mean, truly well, you know, garishly I'm, long. What happened to gentlemen caring about fashion or how they looked when they stepped outside? Right. That's something that I, I find... Astonishing that these men they don't right. they don't put any effort into it. I mean, I look even upon, looking at the crowd now, um, to be honest, if Donkey Kong was here, he would be the dr- best dressed men because boys don't wear ties anymore. Right, and like I'm looking at you, my friend, and I know you are a man who will go to the laundromat in a suit. You are. A man of, I would say many suits, but it's probably more close to 100 suits. Am I wrong? It is around 100, uh, give or take, um, depending on... This is on a man, this is Professor Farrar, is a man who will attend the first day of class of a semester wearing a tuxedo. And he will be wearing a large bow tie, as he is now. You can see him. White he gloves. Carries, he carries a cane. He wears a large top hat. And to top it all off, he has a beautiful, beautiful monocle, which is strictly fashionable. He's a perfect eyesight, as right. well as a wonderful pocket clock, you know, <laughs> that he pulls out and he'll check and it doesn't work. But it looks good. It maintains a certain air of civility. And dressing like this, when you when you dress like I do, um, it's not always good because just just now, as I was walking here, I saw a young, uh, a Caucasian man with corned rose, 
and in these cornrows, he had different braids of different colors. And upon oh. seeing this, I said, egads, a hard egads. And my, cumber, my cummerbund, it, it did roll up and slap me in the face as soon as I saw it, rolling back down to perfect position. And, and I, I, I and took out my took mail, I took out you. my cloth and I wiped it down and I hurried along. And I know just before you came here, a, um, a young woman spilled her, you know, they go crazy about their Starbucks. They have to have their Starbucks, their pumpkin spice latte. And she tripped when you bumped into her and she spilled her, her, her latte. I assume it was a pumpkin spice latte because these young women never stopped talking about it. You know, just hammering it in. It's like enough already. But she tripped and spilled her coffee right all over your your perfectly white spates that you always wear in your shoes, and now they're just soiled. With they are they are soiled. Starbucks. Um, I do have a few backups in my office, uh, but I do not have time to go across town. So I would ask everyone to do me the kindness to look up at me and not down at my shoes. His spates are normally snow white. You have to take my word for that, I, which is as good as gold. My Your word is bond. Which is also very important. Invest in gold, kids. Right. I have a lot to, I have, I have, I have a lot to say about gold later. Um, gold standard is very important, as well as cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency is just the foil that gold needs, and gold will always be here. And now, people will love gold because it's so, it's really shiny. It's it's really cool looking, and that's why it's valuable. I have quite a few, as you know, gold bars, and sometimes I'll find myself at home enjoying my Manhattan with Honey Jack, and I'll go over to my mahogany case, and I will open it up, and within, there's a velour finish. It's beautiful. That holds my many gold bars, and I'll just look at them and grin, knowing that I have them. Often I like to go down to my study after a drink or two. I will take some expensive... A nightcap, if you will. Yes, I will take some whiskey neat, and I will head down in my velvet robe and slippers, and I will go down to my office where I will flip open a painting to reveal a safe, and I will crack it open with the combination, the year... You know, I will change it after this, but it is the year of Charlemagne's birth, and I Ah. will... Open it lightly and see my five gold bars perfectly stacked next to many passports and stocks Gleaming and bonds. That beautiful sheen. And I will give them a ginger stroke before shutting them, shutting the the safe and going to bed in my nightcap. And Good I, night, my little ones. I do this I every single night because that's what gold is on this planet. It is the drivers of men. Now, we've talked about men. You mentioned Charlemagne. We mentioned other great men like Caligula. There's many other men who inspire us, and we can reflect upon to learn much from. I know you wanted to talk a little bit today, Professor, about Charles II of Spain. Right. Charles II of Spain. I mean, essentially what we talk about. Wonderful man. Wonderful man. Another man who married his sister. Misunderstood. From Married probably sister, just like Caligula. the purest but, bloodline that you can look documented through history. Um, not a yeoman, not a peon, not a peasant, mm-hmm. not no. any of those among any of the grandfathers. Nary a tradesman or a merchant. His blood was pure as the driven snow to the point where 
they theorize that he was somewhere around 23 chromosomes. Which he didn't walk until he was eight years old because they, well, they say he was treated like a big deformed baby, all of his, you know, from all of the incest within his family. But what they were doing is they were, they were protecting him because they knew he'd be a great leader. And that's how the royal bloodlines are treated. Right. They are sacred. And you look at the success of Spain at that time in those 30 some odd years in which he reigned, you know, pure administrative genius. He was able to always pick the most qualified people to help him. Right. To the point where people Mm -hmm. thought he wasn't doing anything at all other than just wearing a crown. And which to say this is, you know, beyond blasphemy to me. Now, I think, you know, part of it is, is, you know, we wish for the return <laughs> of monarchy here. Um, yes. Re- not in a traditional emperors. monarchy in the fact that divine right given by blood, but of mm-hmm. divine talent, right? Taking the throne that is belonged to you to the greatest man. And, and I would like to bring up another president, not the best president, but um, a man that was purely mm-hmm. alpha and purely a leader in every sense of the word and the fact that he did not care what those below uh, him had to say. Uh-huh. Well, William Harding I, was oh, William Harding. a genius of a man who simply knew how to take care of problems. He And everyone was, always says that like loyalty is a good thing, all right? But mm-hmm. somehow in the terms of Harding, taking care of his friends who were rich, who were wealthy, who had already proved themselves... Mm-hmm. Is there, you know, it's beyond me that people still criticize him to this day. Because well, even another, then, is there anything more alpha than just selling stuff that's not yours? He also is, you know, the origin of the Harding suit, the barrel and suspenders. Which is one of the greatest looks of all. Fashion-wise, it, it is should clean. Be, should also be brought back. Another very underrated U.S. president of our leaders, some could call them our kings, Though George Washington wished to not be king, though they wanted to make him one. He was a coward, and America would be so much better off today if he would have accepted it. He would have been ten times the king King George was, and he has no idea. I think another very underrated U.S. president was William Henry Harrison. He only served about a month in office. That's all he needed. A lot of people didn't know if he hadn't died... Of pneumonia or whatever it was. Which uh, is, um, you know, not... He had a lot of It's not alpha. Potential. I will say that is not purely masculine, but back then you back simply then cannot it was blame somebody for dying. Today, and nowadays, if you die, it is 100% your fault if you die. Right. Now, some another president, probably the one who didn't put up with anyone's, you know... You know, put it simple terms. The best. Bullshit. The best president of all time. Well, wait, Professor, I think you know what I'm going to say, but... Well, let's say the, let's, the, the, the greatest president ever. Let's say it on the count of three. Okay, you count it down. All right. One, two, three. Andrew, Andrew Jackson. Jackson. Yes, exactly. Yes. Beautiful, brilliant man. The American um, Lion. The American Lion. He was simply a go-getter, you know? He wasn't afraid of, you know, as kids would say today, the haters. He went I stayed out there. overnight in the Hermitage. Right. Can you beautiful. believe that? Absolutely beautiful. Old Leatherneck is what they called him. 
They called him Old Two Swords. That's they a guy that they called him Old Six Shooter as a leader in this country again. One of a kind. They broke the mold with him. Old Horse Killer is what they called him. The Great Slave Keeper. Old Mister Dynamite. Uh, Andrew Jackson, a lot of people didn't know, don't know this, was referred to as his friends by Big Nasty. Andrew Big Nasty Jackson. And they said, are you sure you want to do that, Big Nasty? And he would give them the hang 10 sign to let he them know he would go glare, ahead. that glare, that Jackson glare. Yeah. It was that nasty glare yeah. is what it was, you know, famously known as. Yeah, the eagle And the Big Nasty, the sword thrower. if you opposed him, the axe you better man. be sure... If you're going to oppose the Big Nasty, you better be sure you're sure. The Big Nasty. The Big Nasty. Andrew Jackson did more for this country than any president before or after ever did. He got us so much stuff, he won us all these battles, and it doesn't matter who you're fighting, even if they don't fight back, it's still a battle. I don't want to hear that. He won the most battles of any president in U.S. history. Now, we talked about things such as what we should do with our young. Things about men, the monasteries, about masturbation, monasteries. about what it is to be a man. We talked about emperors, kings, monarchy, leaders, great men. I have, and this is something I've worked very hard on. This has taken me the past 10 years to come up with. And I, I, I need I everybody come up with to really to listen cultivate. to this because this is something that is game-breaking. And it is something that after you read it, and he, he had the privilege of showing the, me this to me before the show, and I will say that uh, it is life-changing to follow these. As I mentioned earlier, they're known as the Five Pillars of Ra. Now, I'm not sure all of you know this, but Ra, what, in ancient Egypt, was... The sun god. And the sun has always been the greatest symbol of power in leaders. When you think of the sun, you know that society, life itself, could not exist without the sun overlooking it. However, approach the sun too close and you will be killed. You get too far from the sun and you will die. Now, the sun is a bit of an enigma. It is something many people can't comprehend. Something that's too hard for their little worm brains to be wrapped around. You can't look directly at the sun. Which is often what I scream at women when I climax. <laughs> so this is what I based the title of these. I don't like to say rules. Commandments sounds too biblical, but really, stepping points. Really, literally, the pillars of what can make society great once more. So, number one, we have obedience. Respect for authoritarianism and the higher powers. Following orders. Being a good servant or employee, obeying your husband or boyfriend, especially when he wants to stay up late playing something online 
possibly with a colleague. Obey your side, dude. It's simple, but is a good starter. Number two, discipline. Not engaging in depraved acts. Opposition to sexual liberation. Denial and condemnation of sexual desires. These are not things that you want to be made public or known. And if you must conduct them, please, by all means, must it be behind private doors, if at all. Don't shut that nut. Don't do it. Homosexuality. Homosexuality. Masturbation. Letting women manipulate you with sex. You must transcend Chatterbait.com. Do not go there. There's many online communities of men. Very tight-knit, brotherly communities. For the sole purpose of men avoiding, at any point, sexual activity. Whether it be with themselves or with another. I will allow you to seek these out for yourselves, but they are there and they could be a great resource. Do not Google Kendra Lust. Don't do it. Number Don't three. you dare do it. Hierarchy. Men should lead. They're in the position to lead. Those with capital and proper cultural upbringing are best suited for leadership and developed to be the most rational and logical thinkers. We're taller. So, we're taller. We're stronger. We. When we get older, we don't have hot flashes. We can drink more beer the than you can. The point is, there is there is a social order, and men have always been, literally, the alpha. Of the pack. Number four. Is preservation. Ethnic preservation is a key in maintaining balance. Equality amongst race does not exist. This is why European ethnic people are being put down and as proof other races fear their superior intellect and genetic traits. It's important that we stay with our kind and establish states for our people to flourish. You know, Israel is an example of this kind of state. Though there are many things about them I'm not quite fond of. Jewish. I do recognize. <clears throat> we can't see that. I coughed. I, I, just, I, told, I, told, I just. I told you we couldn't talk about I that. Just I just coughed. I just coughed, everybody. <clears throat> it wasn't that loud. So moving on. I number didn't five cough. In, the, in the five. Number five of the five pillars of Ra is tradition. Maintaining traditional practices, for example, the ways of the church. You know, the popes, they replaced literally the Roman emperors. They became the new Roman emperors. They replaced the emperors of old, but maintained the same kind of power, if not an even stronger kind of power. They had more money than anyone in the world. Their great power allowed them to achieve coolest lives and think about Coolest houses. A beautiful patriarchal endgame. Jewelry. The, whole, the idea of God is the homes. biggest endgame of the patriarchy and is something that kept everyone in line for 1,500 years. 
Their great power allowed them to achieve lives unthinkable to the peasant majority. They took part in great hedonism and revelry, you know, orgies, gluttony, drunkenness, rape. And these were forbidden to the layman, but the Pope is infallible and in turn exempt from these, you know, benign He made Jesus look like his kid. Them. It rocked. He could do it because he had the if power. If the Pope wished to have a young boy, it was allowed. If the leader of the most powerful imperialist nations are not allowed to partake in their appetites, then they would be merely slaves to the people. They have to have a payoff, a reward. So this is why tradition is important. And it should make sense if you actually think about it. If you're not too afraid to think about it. You know, the greatest... The greatest societies and the grandest things man has built was on the backs of slaves. This is a the simple Egyptians. sacrifice. Right, the Egyptians, the Romans, the, the Confederate the States of America. That's they weren't it was different. So it's this is a simple sacrifice that was made to ensure the place in the universe that man has carved out for himself. You know, slavery is an old term. But I believe we could use prisoners, illegal immigrants, and those with no education to be used in labor. You know, soon we'll have. I mean, to the point anyway, that we we'll already have do, robots. We do more than that we already do in a way that we're not beating around the bush anymore. You know, right? Mm-hmm. I agree. Soon we'll have robots to do the more complicated tasks. Anyway, I so mean, the hard if, and if physical we, parts if can we be done build with. towards that level of technology, which is something that personally. I would like to shy away from. I don't know your personal politics on it, but I would like to say about your five pillars is that what they do establish is a routine and a grandiose vision of the success of the human race. Now, the problem with that is that everyone wants to drive the car, right? Everyone wants to be in the driver's seat. And in the car, there's only one driver's seat, right? And that's why right. kings should, we should have a monarchy in charge. Now, when we say monarchy, we are not talking about the old kings and king, queens of yore, uh, figureheads who would merely wear big collars and uh, stupid uh, white wigs. We are talking about... It's relative. Yeah. Uh, we are talking about advocating for CEOs, Jeff Bezos. We're talking about Elon Musk. We're talking about... Mark Zuckerberg, and this is something Peter regardless Thiel. of politics. Peter Thiel. We're talking about people that are Mark Cuban. in a position. Mark Cuban, you know, Kendra Lusk. A guy like We're Mark talking Cuban. about people that are in position of real power that can just assert the power they've already proven they deserved over the entirety of the United States. Run the country like right. a business and put us in, you know, the next century on top. There will people will die, you know. I'm not going to deny that. You need they, they order, and we get these people. And if everyone falls in line, we will literally have, you know, redemption as a species. And sure, a lot of people are going to get hurt along the way. But the last thing I want to worry about is somebody's feelings. Well, you talk about order. I was just the other night. I was watching television as I sat in my home drinking my Manhattan and eating a hungry man dinner. <laughs> and I was watching on cable, the matrix, which is wonderful, a very film. prolific science fiction film. It's interesting, but I find it hard to believe why agent Smith was the bad guy. Why was he the villain? 
You know, him and the the agents, they kept things in harmony, and everyone in line and in perfect order. Everyone was happy that they didn't know any better. The system worked. Joey Pants ate the steak, and he learned the truth. You know, he was the first red pillar. So I believe that Neo is a bit of a romantic figure, but I, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not, I don't buy it, I, is all I'm trying to say. I think the thing about was, The Matrix is that it opened a lot of people's eyes to the idea that the truth could be hidden right in front of them, right? So you have this, this figure that is obviously based on Christ maneuvering through a strange new world that he's just opened his eyes to and coming to terms with his own power in regards to that. And so you have just a purely parallel Christ narrative, right? But this time put in a frame of technology. And a lot of people would always say religion and technology are incompatible. And I think in a lot of areas there's difficulties, but it shows it's not impossible. Wrong. You know, for many, many years, I was a... I was a avid atheist. I was, you know, guys like Richard Dawkins, great guys like him, really resonated with me. But then I realized things like the ancient church. How much good it did. Order. That was true order. And without that, even if God does not exist, that, we might find ourselves in chaos. Without that little bitch Martin Luther. Speaking that, of that order, I mean, Martin Luther film, motherfucker, holy shit. He was just, he was, you know, he was a bitter. He was the first cuck. You know. He was the first cuck. He was an absolute cuck, and he was just, you know, jealous. He was he jealous. Went to church. He, nailed, he nailed his little, his little queer, oh, fuck. We'll edit it out, it's fine. He nailed his manifesto on the, on the doors of the cathedral, and, um, uh, anyway, I'm getting sidetracked here. Uh, films. Um, the Matrix is an interesting film. I will... S- I, w- I, I will say that, uh, if you don't mind, I could say my favorite film here. And Oh, please do. Yes. My favorite film, well. um, it, it takes the same idea of The Matrix, of what is possible with technology. I have right. sketchy feelings with technology. Um, I do not entirely believe that it is humankind's redemption. I think that it is too dangerous to be handled, considering most of our leadership is simple-minded folk. But Bicentennial Man, the film with Robin Williams, Bicentennial Man, is an absolute revelation on transhuman achievements, right? Um, People get confused because even though I am a homophobe, I support... um, I support, you know, gender transition. I support transgender people simply because that is the first body modification. Um, I was very into Deus Ex and you could get bionic arms, bionic eyes. You could get all kinds of things that make you see through glass. And what we're talking about here is the fundamental change of a human being, which is amazing to me because technology is going to keep growing at an unprecedented rate. Technology is only going to get smarter and smarter and smarter. These computers are going to get smarter and smarter. We can't beat them in board games anymore. How much longer before? Eventually how much longer we'll be before they to. could just kill us? Right? Our only our only method of success is to integrate technology within ourselves and become metahumans. How are women going to feel when they are? And and what against. Bicentennial Man does, even though I don't necessarily believe it, I delightfully watch the movie. Because it shows me right. that maybe these robots will be such big pussies that they'll want to be just as weak as us. 
They won't want metal skin. They won't want cool stuff. I think they give that robot a penis. I think feel, they give him a, a penis. Bit like how Blade Runner and Blade Runner, they want to feel and be human rather than overtake anything. Right. And which, which I would rather want to be a robot, a machine that cuts and and carves and destroys and forces my will. Well, what upon I was about reality. to say earlier is how are women going to feel when men like you and I have the ability to get our penis augmented and we won't have these gross little inchworms right. that curl up. We won't have these little mushroom we'll tits. Instead have we, I won't have this half of an acorn shell sitting upon this cocktail wiener, you know? I and won't that's have fully engorged. these little this little I won't have this freaky little bugle that has like a long tapered weird skin at the end. I'm not going to have this peanut toenail. It looks kind of like a tied balloon. It looks like the a balloon tie when you when you tie a balloon at the end. It won't look like that and then they won't be able to talk about it when I show it to them. They're not going to be able Instead, to say anything have... bad about when you are getting ready to to show a woman her hog and instead of a whole hog it's a half hog and it, it's looking like just the tip of somebody's nose in winter with a little <laughs> zit on the end of it it's it's gonna it's not gonna be looking like that anymore who are you gonna laugh at now professor o'doyle they're not gonna be laughing when you finally are ready and then your penis merely coughs, a literal cough, like a little, <laughs> with nothing from it. They're not going to be able to say anything about it. Your dick's not anyway. going to look like the Mucinex commercial anymore. Your penis will no longer look like the tail that you pulled off of a gecko that escaped and it's wiggling around. It's not going to be like that. It's not going to be. We're getting sidetracked. My favorite film, um, uh, as I told you, I was telling you my favorite film. Sorry. Um, uh, I don't know. We got talking into that. I I I I get strongly affected. It was the Harrison something. Um, my favorite films. I believe the greatest film achievement of anyone are probably the Christopher Nolan Batman films, which is a wonderful trilogy. I like to think of them as one film. Um, You watch them through as one film. It is exhausting. Not for me. I do it every week. Now, Batman represents order in the chaos. That's why the Joker is his ultimate villain. He is the antithesis of Batman. He is chaos. So Batman... Liberalism. Right. Right. Batman represents order in the chaos, and he is the epitome of masculinity. He is a billionaire who takes it upon himself to use his resources to keep order. He is essentially a mentally ill cop, and he punishes, you know... No jury necessary. He is king. Right. I believe... I thought it was very, very cool when he punishes the poor militias for tearing down the rich and the powerful and, um, and the third film. And I I thought it made a lot of sense. It's very realistic when um, every cop in the city was sent underground to find a mercenary leader. <laughs> <They're all> <laughs> <up>. <laughs> I also really like the scene where all the cops charged at the militias that were fully equipped with AK-47s 
and they have right, no and guns. They're shooting they it with their, with with their clubs. Yeah, with their New York issue. That was a very powerful clubs. scene. And it's not like just cops walk around wearing like fucking tactical bulletproof vests and shit anymore. All of them were dressed like 1950s style street dicks that were just like, like beat cops. hey kid, beat it. That's who, uh, that's who they all shot. All the guys that just tell kids. There was to, a bunch of traffic cops. There's just a bunch of traffic the, cops uh, that were just going around from candy store to candy stores telling kids to not get their noses on the windows. They would go into the into the diner and get them malted and harass the they they you know they'd spit the shit with a soda jerk and they had harass the waitresses and you know goose them on the butt yeah. and it was just a better time. It was a better That's time. time I'd like to see return. Um, so professor, you want to discuss something? You just got to your favorite film, Bicentennial Man and Technology, and how it interests you, but it also has aspects that frightens you. So I know you want to talk a little bit about the day. Would you tell the class? What you mean by that? All right. Well, you think about the logical conclusion of Bicentennial Man, which is that people can change what they fundamentally are at will, given a certain level of technology, right? So we have the idea that sooner or later, um, there's going to be, you know, I'm going to get into this later, but everyone, I assume, is familiar with the singularity, a time when technology Mm -hmm. is so advanced that the intelligence of everything is going to rise dramatically quickly because by the time we invent something it will figure it out how to all thought invent in something else immediately so right. it's going to be an intelligence explosion in which the, the things we create are inventing new things that are smarter which are inventing new things that are smarter and humanity will be irrelevant irrelevant now some people get excited burner. for this right some people get excited for the fact that you know we will have this unprecedented level of greatness that will maybe push humanity over the edge again some people mm-hmm. are terrified that it means computers could take over. Bicentennial Man is a message saying that these computers will be wimps and dorks that just want to be some fucking guy that marries some uh, girl that was like his daughter's servant or something, and he's going to be some wimp. Yeah, so it's going to be some these creepy... robots become cucks. Robots that dream of becoming creepy old men, essentially, is what Bicentennial Man happened. Now, I don't think that is... Reality. That's While I enjoy the film. film, I don't think that is reality. What is going to happen right. is that we have this idea that the singularity is going to cause humans to become completely irrelevant, right? And I, I, right. I have a theory that I've pushed, and I have been berated and mocked and everything for this theory, which is called spontaneous order. Oh, yes. Now, spontaneous this order. Very, this is, you want to write this down, everyone. I I see you. I see you. Wake up, Mr. Jeffries. You're in class here. This is what your parents are paying for. All right. Spontaneous order. And this this is going to be a choice that we as humans will have to make. Now, do we go the route of the Luddite to disavow technology? To push back so we don't get to this point of irrelevance do we push forward and basically build dig our own grave by creating super beings that don't need us now some people theorize that further on down the line there will be a merge of biology and technology now i don't see that and i think that's optimistic at best but essentially what is happening is I think we need to go the Luddite route. And that's part of the reason why, you know, I came here as a guest, but I also do have something to sell. Um, I do have these um, survival meals. They're called uh, Lemuel Farrar's Fun Survival Meals. 
And I say fun because I don't just market to people who are going to survive the apocalypse. I'm also marketing towards gamers and shut-ins. Uh, I got a couple buckets here. I know this. I didn't ask you about this, but I'm going to show them. Um, I got a bucket here of corn. This is just big corn. You got the corn. You got the regular corn. You got the big corn. All right. And he'll be passing these out for everyone after right. class. And then I got a bucket of bread. This is bread. It's just the enough. dough. You can make it at home. I mean, basically, these are big ass fucking buckets that I just fill with my food, and these will help you survive. I got mega corn. They're loaded with calories. I got chicken cacciatore. I got this ain't your mama's Salisbury steak. All right. And I cook it in the buckets. They're they're kind of metal buckets, so you can heat them there, and you just stir it. I got this big-ass latrine shovel because you're going to need that too, and you're not going to have room in the shelter for more than one shovel. All right, it's $4,000. It's seven years of food. It isn't just reconstituted dog food. It's normal people food. And I say this again because people keep posting on the Internet. It's not dog food. And you're going to need this food when they come for your gold because they're going to come you for your gold to build their circuits, right? Because gold's in cir- circuits. Right, so when they need their circuits, they're coming for if your you've gold. Heard of MREs, right? The MREs are used by the military. These are like those. These are civilian MREs of the future, right. of the future. This is what we will be using when the collapse happens due to pacification, liberalism, feminism, and the all-around decline of masculinity and the male identity, especially the white male in America. Many. All right. Many people predict they've always had they have something called the singularity symposium. Right. And everyone predicts mm-hmm. when they think that level of IQ is going to arrive in machines. And I believe as soon as that instance happens, um, let's say you create a machine that's designed to protect girls. Right. What it's first going to do right. is it's going to go and find predatory men. Right. It's going to find them and destroy them. Right. But then it's going to think. Um, you know, women are out here saying things like Dylan Roof is a snack, right? So it's like, okay, women need to be protected from themselves. All the women will be rounded up. And within a year, the exact opposite thing that was intended will happen, particularly because humans don't have sound logic. All right. So I imagine by 2040, you will have, you know, the biggest corporate corporation, Google, will be probably in charge of the whole United States. Now, I imagine people won't want to go back because people can't go back. Asimov said this in... Uh, the for the foundation or one of those dorky ass books, right? You can't go back. So what do you got to do? All right. You got to just embrace Google and hope they're doing the right thing. All right. And if, if you don't mind, um, professor Von Teek would, uh, if I could read, I wanted to describe some kid asked me once, because how will the apocalypse happen? And I think the apocalypse will happen. All right. And this is how I think. Please it will. proceed. All right. All right. Attacking the Google headquarters in 2040 after the last bastion of Luddite uprising and the software engineers are shooting plasma cannons and we are shooting boulders out of trebuchets. The death throes of the Yaomen fill the air as the prototype X5B3N plasma lasers pierce through their simple foppish rags. Genetically modified orcs in halo armor rocket jump past the front lines of armor-clad knights do drop thermal sticky grenades on the generals in white wigs pushing around fake battalions on a map. A group of culturally reclaimed reclaimed retro Zulus prepare wooden spears to throw at automated laptop guns hanging from the Google Arms Depot and are vaporized instantly by killstreak tactical nukes. 
Multiple average Russian motorists fly their produce trucks into the front door as the masses arms with torches and pitchforks storm in and are greeted by several Bane-style Frankenstein, quote-unquote, Jewish monster, complete with matching purple blazers. These Frankensteins, created after years of autism-related vaccine research and forced welfare sterilization programs, immediately target the most blonde members of the mob, choosing to ignore peasants and storm for the cavalry sitting behind twirling their dastardly mustaches in displeasure. The North Front, composed of psyops neophytes with IR vision, will manipulate the neurosensors of the encroaching barbarians and redirect them to cannibalize their own western flank, driving face-first into the Allies and the Hashinshin Battalion, setting off opium fugues that will decimate the bulk of the resistance forces. AI-controlled interns will be airdropped into remaining tech battalion with multi-tools, setting off the last of humanity's nukes in the pollution regions bellowing smoke into the sky as they escape into the background in their octo camo to rendezvous with warthog pickups eventually the chaos swirls back into the hq as the sheer numbers of luddites storms the cao ai mainframe and ruin it with their peasantry cheeto dusty hands causing a chain reaction of explosions sending humanity back into the stone age the glory days where everyone wore cool assassin's creed clothes so ladies and gentlemen that's how the world's going to end right And people typically think of the end of the world as a bad thing. However, the idea of spontaneous order redeems that. What spontaneous order says... There you have it. ...is that manufacturer societies need to be destroyed. Democracy will never work because it is a fake institution. It was created out of ideas on paper. It is not natural. Now, what happens is when those societies are destroyed in an apocalypse, which is going to happen after the singularity... Just societies will rise naturally in its place. I want you to think about Fallout. I want you to think about Fallout 2. I want you to think about Mad Max. I want you to think about Escape from L.A. I want you to think of Fallout New Vegas. I want you to think of Fallout 4. All of these created good societies How about the based Fallout on 3 merit. DLC? Can on I think about the Fallout, Fallout 3 DLC? Fallout 3 DLC. The, can I talk? Okay. I really like Point Lookout. Point Lookout. Um, uh, the Space One. Mothership Zeta. All right. Not All of these of that one. create societies based on merit, where the strong survive, where people create order out of what they can. If people, it's might by right, and it's the only thing the feeble human brain can understand. Because if we go further on, we are going to create our own decimation. Now, Professor, I can see this totally happening, and I absolutely agree that it's very possible, and there's a high percentage of this happening. In the meantime, before this happens, I believe that we must, as we go on progressing into this futurism age, we must utilize old values of Western it's civilization. It's the only thing that can save us. And implement them into our ongoing conquests to rule the stars. So to start that, I will say that women should not be allowed into space. Agreed. If an alien life form Unless for reproduction is the first, reasons. No. If an alien life form is to first meet a human, a woman is not the appropriate vessel to represent the face of man. Underline that, everyone. Man. The race of man. And actually, I, 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 you know, I've noticed some women in the audience. You should probably go. We have lost a fraternal instinct. You know... Locker room talk. I'm sorry, but... The Greeks, the Romans, Spartans, these soldiers, they fucked each other out of respect. They have girls' nights at bars. Everyone, Why can't they have ev- guys' nights? 
everyone fucked men back then. You know, women were there to give you sons and continue your bloodline. And it wasn't gay. You can't tell me it was gay. It was the way the world was. The Greeks and the Romans established civilization as we know it in World War for it, by the way. And we must return to those ways. It's just how it was. It's how it was and how it will be or we will be destroyed. It's all a cycle and we will return to these times. Our only hope is to, for the man in every household, to destroy all of his wife's technological possessions, to unplug the electricity, to start a fire, because this is the only way we're going to be safe. Now, it's not enough for just one person to do it. We need to find all technology and destroy it. These women will unplug your computer when you're trying to do a podcast for one hour out of your week. They will do that they, just to they ruin your podcast. They just to ruin your podcast. control you. They will, while they're trying to do their hair, they will just pull it out because they want you to look at their hair. And they want you to just not hang out with your really good friend and just talk because they're jealous. Now, Professor, I am so glad you joined me today. Um, I wanted to just say, do you have anything else you'd like to share before I close this out? I am dripping in sweat from my singularity speech. The intense. And your singularity prediction. I am was very passionate about riveting. this, and I, I, I just I need to get the message out there because humanity will be destroyed. Very, I can smell you. You're sweating through. I don't believe in your. You're uh, sweating deodorant. through your tuxedo um, jacket. I just wear. I just I instead of deodorant, I just. I take that 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 uh, was well, that you make thing that makes your you make skin your blue. I just take that. Right, colloidal silver. I take colloidal which silver. You can also purchase on Professor's site. All my mega it's, corn, the mega corn bucket has a little bit of colloidal silver in it. Right. Right. All right. Well, I so feel like that's been a I good class. Like to close us off on. I would just like to say to all men here and listening because this is we posted online excuse me to all men real men reject feeling reject the oppressive progressive suggestions of equality and most of all reject the notion that you owe anything to women or anyone mostly women though you know mostly women that's the main point I'm trying to Anyway, that's it. That's all we have to say now. Does anyone have any questions? 